When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. It's time for this week's Know Your Foe episode, and we have a great one here for you. Jake Burns, uh, who covers Cleveland for the Orange and, Orange and Brown Report. Uh, Jake, how you doing? Ken, I'm great. It's always good to connect. I look forward to these a uh, couple times we can get together a year. Yeah, it, it really is great and uh, very level-headed, uh, you know, fan of the Browns and, and uh, analyst of the Browns. I really appreciate that. So, Jake, let's uh, let's jump right into it. Huge game, enormous divisional implications uh, this weekend. Uh, the two, I would think, normally pretty evenly matched teams. Honestly, the Ravens coming to this game very banged up, uh, and uh, and that might be some of the difference we're seeing in in the line and and in other uh, uh, prognostications and whatnot. But uh, talk a little bit about the Browns and where they are right now so far this season. They're an interesting spot. They're they're really really good uh, from a collective roster spot, right? And uh, I think a lot of people believed that this, when you look at the one to fifty three, that this group had as much talent as any roster they've put together since they've come back. But there's an application part of that that we all know remains. <laughs> it's not played on paper, and um, I think for the most part this year. Uh, we had all agreed that it hinged on how well Deshaun Watson and the offense played, right? How well could he mm-hmm. come back to the guy he used to be or be a form of it and, rel- and really can just be competent and in, in, in average to above average at times as they sort of figure out who they want to be offensively in the, in the marriage kind of between Kevin Stefanski and what he likes to do offensively and Deshaun uh, sort of worked itself out. Now, the defense, which we'll dig into in a more granular level in a little bit, is doing some really historic things through three games. I don't think any of us expected that level of um, immediate impact from Jim Schwartz arrival, but they're doing that. So, you know, it's a team that I think when you look at their first three games has every right to be three and oh, they go into Pittsburgh and really do a great job of shutting them down. They go for over 400 yards, but they turn it over four times and a direct result of two of those turnovers or touchdowns for Pittsburgh. So I think it's been uh, a, a really good start for the Browns. Hasn't been perfect because if it was, you'd be three and O, but they're playing pretty good football. The offense has had two, I would say above average games through the first three defense has been stellar. Special teams has been fine. So they're, they're in a good spot. Ken. they, they feel like they have enough talent to play with anybody. 
Yeah, I mean, it certainly looks that way from from watching them play. The uh, one thing I want to hit before we go into the rest of the things is the, is the Browns' long run cap situation because they have kind of an interesting thing that they have a fairly significant war chest save this season. And then a negative number to start next season with, I'm not even sure all that many people signed. And I've got to take another look at that by team here. But yeah, so 34 million of cap space currently. And next year, they're near the bottom. I know they're in a bad situation like the Ravens with about negative 19 million in effective cap. Yep. So what they have been doing uh, a lot of is uh, kind, kind of following. Andrew Barry's a protege of Howie Roseman in Philly. Mm -hmm. So they do a lot of contracts with build-in void years and um, stretching out a lot of those cap hits. So they have some chunky ones coming, um, which you've referenced. They've obviously um, put themselves in a position where they have to prioritize some rollover cap to be able to meet some of those thresholds. So you've seen them in the recent stretch as, as much as this month can restructure contracts for Wyatt Teller, uh, the first of which was Deshaun Watson. They, they've been kind of working that one as best they can. They did uh, Miles Garrett. I don't think they did Denzel Ward, but they've done um, a majority of the core of this group. They have, they have restructured those deals and tried to create, like I think if you look at the whatever the cap number is for this year, they're among the leaders in space. Now we obviously know that that money – I don't see them spend. There could be, if, listen, if it gets to the deadline and there's somebody floated out there, they could, if they thought they wanted to be all in, pursue it. But for the most part, they are stretching that money to then roll over to the next year, cover the cap number that they have, be creative with some different things. So it's not like the world's healthiest cap situation, but I think that they have smart people. And I think Andrew is, uh, especially through his training, his background, his understanding of, how to manipulate these things, put them in a position that they feel like they have flexibility to not do anything crazy here in the coming years, but keep the core intact and, uh, you know, add to that with some marginal free agents, uh, given some situations of work. I mean, they, they've been also really strong in the trade market as well. Amari Cooper, a great example, mm -hmm. Elijah Moore, a great example. So they're doing things on the margins there too. All right. I mean, certainly the Ravens are in terrible cap shape, uh, you know, moving forward here now. And it's some of it's just a function of a quarterback on a second contract that for, for anybody, yeah. for any team that, that has that. Um, but I, I, I didn't completely understand why the Browns would do it. Maybe they're rolling money into years beyond 2024 is the key mm -hmm. reason why they felt the need to restructure this because it was just a if it's just an exchange between 23 and 24 by void years say you, know, you wouldn't you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be done in some sense you you're you can roll over that cap and cover next year's you know pretty significant deficit yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not. We have a guy on staff named Jack Duffin who does a great job with this, and I know you guys have some folks in the corner sure. of Baltimore that cover this really well. Um, from what I understand, they're trying to, like, you know, some of these guys, but again, they've re signed a lot of guys. David and Joku, they've re signed, um, you know, again, the, the big numbers for Miles and Nick, even, you know, Nick is mm -hmm. obviously down, but there are bigger numbers coming for these guys. And from what I understand, they're trying to do some spacing in which they give those guys the bigger cap hit. 
Um, you know, I have not, the Browns haven't been in this position, Ken, where they've had a lot of talent and they've had to figure out how to pay sure. a lot of these guys. Like there's some looming names that they could lose if they don't play this the right way. Grant Delpit is a great example of a guy who's due for another contract at the end of this year. So I think that the plan they have in place is going to be able to work in that regard, but there's a real possibility that it doesn't. And I, you know, I, I, I don't want to come on your pot and portray that I am an expert in the cap. I, I think what I'll say is they're not, like you said, they're not in good shape. They're not healthy by any stretch. You, you pay some of these chunky figures. They're going to have to continue to pay between Watson and some of these other miles number will kick up soon. They're not in good shape, but I think they, they deserve, at least from my stance, a little bit of trust to figure out how to keep the core intact. I don't think they're making any big moves to help this group, like add on to it. But if your core is good enough in this case that they feel like they can keep that together, I think that's probably a win. And, you know, they don't have another first round pick next year, but 25, they'll get back in the first round pick market, which, as you know, is so vital to keeping some of the stuff healthy. And if you let a couple guys go here, you can replace them, you know, so um, they're they're doing their best. They've actually we'll talk draft, but they've 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 done a good job of even not having a first kind of getting some guys who can who can be talent wise play at that level. I think I think for this show, since I know we're in a little bit of a hurry, we're we're going to skip on on the draft pick specifically. Just talk about them in the in the normal positional rotation here. Let's get right to Deshaun Watson and talk about what you've seen from him this year. What's improved about his game from last year in particular? Yeah, I think this year has felt, um, you know, the first game against Cincinnati. I don't know what it was like where you guys were, Ken. I think I think you guys were maybe down in Houston for that opener, but. Um, I could be totally off on that. I apologize, but um, they they played a pretty gnarly weather game, so it was really hard with it. With like there was this like lakefront rain. It was the only place in Ohio it felt like it was raining, but it was driving down rain, so it was really hard to get a feel for week one. Week two, they go to Pittsburgh. I did not think that he played well at all. Um, I think Pittsburgh created a really good game plan to force him to struggle. Uh, they got some pressure home, and then they created some late, you know, the Browns later developing routes didn't come open in time and Deshaun didn't play well, but there's the jarring nature of Nick Chubb's injury and developing a game plan around Nick and all that comes with losing like a core part of your team in such a gruesome way that it's hard to, it's, let me put it this way. It's hard to say where he is. I think he's had moments of flashback. Like this past week has been the most encouraging. He was pretty efficient, 27 of 33, 289, a couple scores, I, I don't think he's quite anticipating things um, coming open or the timing of things at a level that he used to be. Um, and I don't think he's quite the athlete he was in his younger Texans years where he was creating some magical things. So I, I think Deshaun needs to be a, a better anticipator throughout this season, and he needs to live to fight another down. I've said this reference, Ken, many times. I think at times – it feels like he's trying to get his quarterback reputation back on every down. He he will not give up on a play when he needs to give up on a play sometimes. And um, he's trying at, at times to force big plays into reality when there's not something there. I think if he would focus more on taking profits, the defense is giving angles to take profits and he's not always taking them because I think he's big play hunting at times. I think it started to work in a better direction in Tennessee he was he was better with with placing the football where it needed to be given um, what the defense provided. But there was a stretch early in that game where you started to feel like, again, he's pressing to make some plays. He's been fine. I would say he's been C, C plus 
The Titans game was more in the B, B-plus range. Hmm. Uh, the Pittsburgh game was rough, uh, really rough for him, where he created four of the six sacks I thought were on the quarterback more than anything else. He's an extender by nature, and with that extender label comes some of the stuff that is not what you want. You know, you take sacks at times. So um, we'll see. This game is a great test, and and I'll have a much better answer. I know it's not great for our podcast discussion here. I think I think he's better than he was last year, but how like the Browns are paying him to be eventually this guy that was in Houston to the point that he was dominating uh, stretches of games and, and carried that offense in Houston in a, in a significant way. So I, the hope here is he can get back more toward that, be like a fringe top 10, work his way into a top 10 guy, but he's not there right now. I think it's a good time. I'm sure the Ravens are feeling the same. It's a good time to catch him because it's better, but it's not anywhere near where he could and should be. Uh, and, and they hope he'll be. Okay, well, let's move on. That's a, you know a very honest kind of a kind of a look at Deshaun Watson. I think the wider sorry. Let's talk about the offensive line first. What's the, what's the status going across from left to right? Well, they lost Jack Conklin. There, oh, you said left to right. So we'll go Jedrick Wills. He's he's back again. Um, they they obviously have him on the fourth year of his rookie deal. They they picked up his option on his fifth year. The problem with Jedrick Wills is he is uh, every single year pass rush win rate goes down. It is Oof. it is ne- he is never quite figured it out um he doesn't finish plays at times um he doesn't play through the whistle he'll you watch him ken and you'll see a guy who is as athletic as it takes and strong at times to to be a really good tackle but he does not pride himself in the little things and he is not uh, shown a willingness desire to get better all the time and like even with with Bill Callahan who's one of the better offensive line coaches in the NFL and guys around him who are showing you know Joel Batonio is right next to him showing him a standard for how to operate he's never been able to put it together in both phases and the start of this year has not been any um, step in the right direction which is tough because you picked up that fifth year option and you're hoping you can see him progress and it's just something that you know the technique is fine at times but then he'll overset extend himself and the Browns are trying to work this, I can sense it from them, how to manipulate the pocket between the quarterback where Deshaun will hit his five or his three, and then he needs to. he's trying to step up. But Jed is trying to uh, um, keep guys from, from running the arc uh, around him. But then when he his quarterback steps up, edge players are obviously then manipulating back inside, and there's no answer, and it's led to a lot of pressure. So I think it's a work in progress with Jed and – how he blocks for Deshaun because Deshaun is so unique to, to Baker Mayfield and Jacoby Brissett who are just kind of sitting ducks in the pocket more than anything else. So I think there's a level of balance. Those two are trying to find jet is uh, he's, he's kind of average. He has flashes below where he'll frustrate you. And then he'll have these reps where you're like, that is teach tape for how to handle things at left tackle. Mm-hmm. But it's an inconsistency thing. As you know, the, the, a lot of these guys are good enough to put a rep or two on tape, but it's an inconsistency thing. So then left guard, uh, Joel Batonio's, you know, perennial all pro player. He's not, I wouldn't say he's been as sharp traditionally as he's been through the first few games, but he's dealt with, you know, DJ reader. Um, you know, I, I think Keanu Benton's a fun young rookie in Pittsburgh. I thought he was fine in Pittsburgh, but then obviously dealing with Jeffrey Simmons and Tier Tartan with the challenges of what Tennessee's front, who I think Tennessee has as good a front as anybody. So it's hard to say Joel's not playing well, but I just think that so far this year, he's not quite been as sharp. We'll see if that 
continues to be a trend. He is getting a little older at this point. That's something you have to remember too. Uh, they brought back Ethan Posey. signed through. He has another couple years. I believe he signed. Uh, he had he had done a um, extension last year or the year before. I think he's through. Don't quote me on that. I, th- I think he's through I, this year and another year. Um, they brought back Ethan Postage at center, which was an interesting move. Postage was signed from Seattle the year before as a depth piece. They lost Nick Harris, their pegged starter, in the first preseason game of 22. And then Postage comes in, plays, and plays admirably. One of the better graded centers in the league until he got hurt. He got hurt. They played a young man named Yodi Froholt, who's now out in Arizona, playing pretty well out in Arizona. He came back after that injury and then was okay. He's been fine to start the year. They brought him back on a three-year, $18 million deal. Uh, it was a little surprising to some folks that they decided to go that route with him, considering Harris is back, and, and they drafted a young man named Luke Whipler from Ohio State, who they really think is going to be a nice long-term center uh, for them. Had a great preseason. But uh, Postage is fine. Not, um, I wouldn't say he's uh, he's like a Pro Bowl center, but I think he's um, just kind of in that J.C. Treader who was there before him type of tier. Just a very solid center, uh, understands leverage, is is mobile enough to get out and do the, the 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 lateral run schemes they like to do, but also power enough to gap down and uh, work double teams and climb and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So they they like him. Right guards White Teller inconsistent pass pro player um, has all the tools, but just an inconsistent pass pro player. I thought Larry Ogan Joby gave him fits week two and some one-on-one scenarios. And um, he can be beat as a pass rusher. If you got a, if you got a nice set of uh, momentum shifting moves, a nice swim move or a club rip. But as far as run stuff goes, he's as good as anybody in the NFL and he's a deadly pull guy and they love to pull him and pin pull and um, some power counter stuff they do. So um, you know, he's a better run blocker than pass blocker. And I think he's playing fine this year, but there are times where you can take advantage of, of, uh, some of his inefficiencies and in understanding hand usage and pass protection. And he'll just kind of lean at times and, and, and that, you know, loses an angle or something like that. So that's cost him a few times, right? Tackle. They lost, uh, in the, in the season opener, Jack Conklin got, um, Jed had run his man around the arc and uh, I think it was Trey Hendrickson, Cincinnati. And, um, as Hendrickson tried to go by and knock the ball out of Watson's hands, body, you know, hanging lateral right into Jack's knee toward the ACLs. People don't understand really that about offensive line play. It's, a, yeah. it's one of my real bugaboos is don't block across the pocket if you can help it. You're better off letting your quarterback take a hit a lot of the time. Uh, he can see it at least, yeah. Yeah, it was exactly that. So Hendrickson's trying to knock the ball out of Watson's hand as he's throwing. Jed is pushing him past. He gets lateral, drives right into Jack's planted. Le- it was gross. So um, he's done for the year. They had restructured his deal um, to bring him back for a couple years. So he actually has two years of this year and next year of guaranteed money. So they are expecting him to come back. I mean, Jack's not going to re- like Jack's like 29, 30. He's been a two time all pro player. Not sure he's totally deserved those, but um, he has earned those. So I, I I don't know what it looks like. I think he'll come back. I mean, he's only going to be 30 and he's got like 14, 13, 14 million in guaranteed money sitting there. So I expect that to be the return. But they have drafted this Dwan Jones out of Ohio State in the fourth round. I couldn't believe he was there in the fourth round, even with con- some concerns about mm-hmm. does this guy love football? Um, he's massive. He's I mean, I mean, different type of massive uh, six, eight. 350 but but his basketball background he can move he's been a revelation for them at right tackle um every bit like i don't like floating that around lightly but if he was a top 30 prospect for some people i think you can see why 
He is um, protecting really well because he can move and stop people from running the arc. But if you want to go back inside or try to bull rush through him, you can't because he's his arms are so long. He keeps you off of his torso and you just can't. Now, he's not perfect. There are times where some he's struggling a little bit with some cross stunts, some tech stuff and passing those things off. And his run game stuff is inconsistent where I just think that he was at Ohio state a little bit used to being able to cheat some things because yeah. he was so big and you can't do that in the NFL. So he's learning on the fly. I thought last week was better than the first two weeks when he came in, but he's been a real nice addition for them at right tackle considering how dicey that could have been. So it's a good group. It's not, it's a group that is um, the pass block efficiency is really good. Can the run block stuff isn't very good. Now they, they have played, I think three pretty good run defenses here. And I obviously expect Baltimore to be another one. So it's not like they can't do it. There's just been one player off. And you know how this is. You break down O-line tape mm -hmm. diligently. Just one man away from, from busting out uh, you know, a counter or a pin pull. You, two guys take one person when if they, if they split those assignments, you have a chance to pop one for 15 to, to 40 or something like that. So they're not far off, but the metrics are not promising for them through three games. All right. All right, that's good. very good detail on the offensive line there. Let's move on and talk about the wide receivers a little bit and uh, who the Browns have now. Yeah, so Amari Cooper still doing Amari Cooper things. I thought last last week was as dominant a performance as I've ever seen from him. He caught eight of nine targets, 116. He caught a ball at the left sideline, late hands on a fade that that the ref for some reason called him out of bounds. Would have been another 40 yards. He drew four flags himself for DPI and holding. Wow! Um, yeah, it was an unbelievable in one game performance in not, one not game. Not the season. Wow! It it was unbelievable. He was unguardable. Um, and I again, I thought Tennessee covered a lot of what the Browns do from play action boot stuff and like some of their regular concepts out of empty or third down man situations. I thought Tennessee painted them up. Like I thought they covered well, but the Browns completed a lot of really tough throws. And Watson's placement was pretty strong on a lot of those sideline balls. And Cooper and Donovan Peoples Jones, Peoples Jones, who we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, made some great catches, but Cooper was unbelievable. Now, like, he gets like a 72 receiving grade. I'll never understand how the grading system works on some of this <laughs> Don't stuff. Don't worry but about it. <laughs> dom dominated the game, and um, he's playing well. He's had a really nice start to the year, and there is a clear uh, preference from from Watson to find him. There's, a there's you know, Watson uh, obviously adept to playing with DeAndre Hopkins for all those years. He he If he gets a guy he believes in, he'll give him a lot of, you know, I call them statue defender chances where the, the DB's not looking at him, right? And he's just going to trust his guy to go make a play. And uh, that connection's there, pretty obvious. They went out and traded for Elijah Moore, swapped to move back um, with the Jets. They didn't lose a pick in that deal, but they they gave up some spots to get him. And they're using him all over the field. They put him in the backfield. They put him in the slot. They're putting him out wide. I'd like to see Elijah do a little more traditional wide receiver stuff because I think that's who he is. I don't think he's a gimmick player but they're getting him touches in a variety of ways. Like I think last week he had nine targets and nine catches, but it was only like 48 yards. So he's like, he's getting chances in the short intermediate, but he's not getting a chance to create much after the catch. Right. So I'd like to see a little more downfield from him, but he's a fun player. He's, he's tough to cover. He's shifty. He's got some real understanding of um, route leverage and stuff uh, of that nature. So they like him. Sounds Donovan, very similar, yeah. by the way, to what we're seeing from Zay Flowers in terms of yep. you know average, a dot of three point five this last week, and a long of a long reception of eight yards, and it just if, yep. if he needs to be the guy who stretches, who takes the top off the defense, who, who draws that safety help. Exactly, I almost said that in my in my conversation there because I watch him because I'm invested in a lot of fantasy stuff with Zay. I like him so. 
uh, yeah, I think they're pretty similar. And I bet if you look up a dot rankings, they're probably right next to each other in the same realm. So uh, the, the, they need to like, in my opinion, maybe not lid lift the defense all the time, but, but I do think some downfield opportunities for him are something he should be finding more in the 10 to 20 range instead of that one to nine range. I, I just think that they're, they're forcing things to him where they don't need to, right? I think their best work last week was, letting things filter through the natural funnel of an offense structure and, 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 and not forcing things to him. So we'll see if that calms down a little bit. The third guy that plays a ton of snaps and traditionally is their Z is Donovan Peoples Jones. He'll play a little X two when they move Amari around. So uh, DPJ's in his, what, this is his fourth year with the Browns. Now a six round pick who's really turned into a nice player, a real system player of this coaching staff um, in front office. And, you know, he's a vertical route tree guy. He's not really, he's not really a snap it off type. He doesn't get in and out of cuts real well, but he's a great backside dig type of type of guy who goes down. He can catch the football in a variety of ways. Some of his catch metrics are some of the better catch metrics over the last three years. He'll catch it all over the place and he very rarely drops anything. So while he's not the most twitched up gifted receiver at six, two and some change, he can run in a flat line. He returns punts for him. Um, he does a variety of things and he blocks really well and they love that about him and he fights really hard. So uh, he's their third guy. They bring a couple others in. Uh, they have a rookie Cedric Tillman who wears number 19. He is trying to find his way. They took him in the third round. He was their first Tennessee. pick of this past draft. Nice player. Yeah. Tennessee an outside player. They gave him 11 snaps last week, ran some routes. I think there's a chance he could find some targets uh, in the near future. They like him. He's um a lot like Donovan, but a more, I think, naturally gifted and understanding wide receiver of how to create leverage and run a various uh, less less vertical route tree can do a little bit more. So they like him. But but the other guys that have found targets, David Bell, who they drafted in the third round last year, um, will play a little bit, play some slot uh, when they need him uh, to a guy to step and play some slot. The Browns have actually run some zero one zero two personnel. Um, getting real weird at times. They've, they've run more four wide receiver stuff than we've seen from them. And at times they've, in the absence of Nick, decided to, we're just going to at times get really funky with some four, you know, personnel groupings. And they played four wide receivers, which has been very rare in Kevin's tenure. So um, David's found the field a little bit, a couple targets this year. And then Marquise Goodwin, who they had feared that Goodwin was going to miss the year because he had a blood clot scare in the, in the training camp preseason. So he didn't play any of those, but was around during mini camp and they really like him and they've tried to get downfield to him a few times. You know, Goodwin's been around the league for a while and still runs really well. And and I think that there was a little bit of frustration last week because he only had five ra- snaps in the game, but the first two games they tried to get downfield to him a couple times. So I would expect Ken he'll be on the field maybe 15 snaps and they'll run him as the as the true lid lifter type. And if they can come off of some scheme and find him with an opportunity downfield. I, d- I don't think they'll shy away from that if they feel like it's the right opportunity. So Goodwin will find the field a little bit too. And, and um, we'll see if they find ways to get, to get him a chance, but you know, he was pretty good last year for Seattle and Gino uh, at times before he got hurt and they think he can still do some things. So he'll find the field. That's really the group of wide receivers top to bottom. Okay. Uh, tight ends really quickly. And I got, I know we're, again, we're, we're kind of pressed for time. And then I want you to talk a little bit about the running backs of the post Chubb era here right now. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't mean that uh, flippantly. I mean, just obviously Nick's gone for the year at this point. Yeah. So tight end is still David It's driven by David. He's their guy they use all the time. He's, he's, he's a really adept blocker. He's developed over the years as a run and pass blocker for them. So he's run a lot of routes. He's not being targeted as much. He's actually run more routes through three games 
uh, 95 as opposed to 75 the first three games last year, but is being targeted about 10% less. I don't think it's because he's not open. I just think it's because Watson's working through where he wants to put the eyes and deliver the football. They haven't really developed a chemistry yet, but they're running David on a lot of routes. He's still difficult to deal with because he's so big. So if he catches the football, he can create yards after the catch. He's done a nice job with that so far this year. So he's on the field all the time. Um, they signed a, a, a veteran, Jordan Akins, who was in Tennessee, has a connect, or sorry, who was in um, Houston and has a connection with Deshaun. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's been their their second guy in 12 personnel. Harrison Bryant, the third tight end, also finds some time um, doing a bit more funky stuff like he is um, he's in the backfield. He'll he'll be a move player for them, slot um, tight alignment and do some things when they want to have that player involved in um, a second tight end where they have David aligned out wider in a wide receiver alignment. And he's actually last week they they brought Harrison Bryant in on a, on a quick motion and had him take quarterback sneaks so they ran three sneaks last week and bryant came in and took two of them from under center and then and deshaun took the last one from under center so that's just a little wrinkle they're doing they're not playing three tight ends anywhere near as much as kevin stefanski's history ken so that's not a thing but they do mix up the usage between the second uh, akins is a is more of a wide receiver type of tight end more athletic a uh, player in space and, and harrison bryant's kind of a do it all do the nitty-gritty type of stuff if he finds the field so looks like i'm seeing they're they're playing maybe between 20 and 30 percent 12 personnel so far this year sound about right sounds about right yeah i think i think we all thought they do a little bit more of that but i i think they like their wide receivers and are, are, are really trying to get um those guys shuffled in and out too so um it's not a low number by any stretch the 13 personnel has been cut down they do also i want to i'd be remiss if i didn't mention they they do a lot of additional six offensive lineman stuff mm-hmm. as well they'll bring michael dunn in who's a reserve guard and have him be like their 13 personnel third tight end when they want to do some run game things especially on the goal line then when they want to get real beefy they'll bring a seventh offensive lineman in for like goal line or short yardage nick uh, nick harris who i was referencing is now the backup center will come in and play fullback or they'll put him in the wing and have him go in motion and kick out or do whatever various things there. So that's something else for your fans to keep an eye on in short yardage as well. So uh, running back, I should hit too. Uh, like you said, Nick's injury is awful. It was one of the more grueling caught on TV injuries you'll ever see. There's some optimism that his knee is not as bad as it looked, that it could just be an MCL and, um, I don't know. We got to see what they when they crack things open, what it all looks like. But there's some optimism. It might not be as bad as originally thought. So they're recovering from that. Jerome Ford is the backup, a primary backup is a nice player. He can do a little bit of 
uh, everything. Um, not <laughs> you go from Nick, you know this. Uh, can you go from sure. Nick, who's uh, he's so gifted and creates things and sees things that people can't? It's hard to be like, well, this guy's good because you know you watch Nick, you get spoiled. But I think Jerome's been fine, not uh, not um, quite as north south as I'd like him to be at times, but but can handle the pass game phase. He caught a nice touchdown last week on a double move uh, from an empty look, so he's fine. They they traded for right before the season started Pierre Strong Jr., who's a very explosive runner, fast runner from New England. They swapped him with an offensive lineman, Tyrone Wheatley Jr. They sent to New England. Uh, brought him in. He has not really had a, a, a gigantic opportunity. He did, again, the Brownsley ran for like 78 yards last week, so he ran four carries, 20 yards, uh, thinking he went four for 28. So he was fine when he was on the field. He's he, Again, he's a, he's, a, he's a burstier player, not bigger, but can can certainly get to top speed a little quicker and provide some change of pace. And then when Nick got hurt, they went out and brought back Kareem Hunt, um, who was, you know, he's a local Cleveland guy who's up in Cleveland. Everything made sense just because it's a guy who knows the system, that they have traditionally run. He didn't go anywhere else. He didn't have to unlearn a new system still in shape. He got like six carries or so in the, in the, you know, week three debut. Again, they signed him like, like Monday and he played on Sunday. So um, they'll use all three. I expect them to use all three um, throughout the season. And uh, they each have a different skill set. In my opinion, Kareem's a bit more of the hammer of the group who is ability to uh, fight for extra yards and is so hard to bring down at times. So, um they're figuring it out as they go let's put it that way with the running back and who should get the carries and it's just it's been nick has been the guy since 2018 and it's hard to 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 kind of figure out what route this all looks like without him and they're i think they're really playing the hot hand is the going to be the plan as they go and and we'll see from there i'm learning as you're learning when you watch this game about what they're going to do at running backs a bit unpredictable right now all right well fair enough i have only one more question about the offense and and then i need to move on is the Ravens have had a weakness at cornerback this year, at least theoretically. It's actually turned out to be one of their most stable and healthy positions during the year. They did lose Ardarius Washington, but they had Kyle Hamilton move up to nickel and have one of the greatest games ever by Ravens nickel this last week. Mm-hmm. But their outside corners have been remarkably solid. They've had three guys there who've been rotating for two spots uh, with Brandon Stevens playing every snap. So the, the, the question I would have is if the Ravens want to sit in cover two, and there is some advantages to that in, in – keeping eyes on Watson, making sure. How do you think the Browns will react to that? Do you think they'll try and work the ball down the field, or do you think they'll they'll be content to play small ball as all three of the other Ravens opponents have so far? Well, I think they will. I think Deshaun has shown a willingness on some of those. You know, If you're playing teams who are playing four under, three deep, or you're talking five under, two deep, mm-hmm. I, he's he's shown an ability to, to – to be comfortable ripping some of those spacing throws, right? You know, the stick routes or some of those settles and voids. He, he's shown a willingness. Now, I actually think you're making a, a really interesting um, angle here because I haven't watched. I've watched the offense because I've been very interested in what Todd Monken, who's got a Cleveland connection, is bringing that direction. I haven't watched much of the defense. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to see because Watson at times – has identified down corners, right? Um, but has not driven the ball into the honey hole or thrown some of those. So I I will be interested to see if, you know, cover two has real advantages and the Browns like to run it, especially their, their third down. They love cover two, you know, who doesn't? Cause you're taking away, you're encouraging flat throws and then you're right there to take it away. I think that they are willing to throw it downfield. The question will be, Ken, how much is Watson anticipating what 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 those throws will need to be and how they'll need to be thrown because 
if I were Baltimore, I would be saying let's challenge Watson with as muddy a picture from pre-snap to post-snap as we can. Let's make him hang on to it a beat longer because he's shown a propensity to hold on to it a beat longer and live and die by that. That's really what I would be doing at this point. Even though you know the running backs are um, not Nick, right? So you're saying, well, make them run the ball. They'll still be able to run. If you give them advantages, they'll be able to run it. But I would be encouraging your defense to make Deshaun Watson anticipate things pre to post, changing the picture on him, and then and then deriving some advantages that I think can come from that. So far, what I've seen on those, not like he can't figure it out. He's still good, but that's where I see a weakness right now is uh, he has not consistently been able to pick up and 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 like look at again the best defenses are changing the picture pre to post but like i think with him challenging him in that regard would be a really wise strategy well the ravens certainly that's one thing they've done defensively very well this year so far is is show all kinds of multiple looks uh simulated pressure uh stunts blitzes delayed very well uh blitzes from off the line of scrimmage uh They've done it even without their key piece in that, which is Tyus Bowser, an outside linebacker who can really drop effectively. So I think we mm-hmm. will see some of that. Let's move on to the defense. Talk about uh, the most common base and personnel looks. Is just to, to talk about this. You know, do they do they do they play base versus twelve as in addition to twenty two and whatnot, or what mm-hmm. do you normally see? Yeah, so they'll play three backers. They've only. I mean, they've been searching for consistent linebacker play. So when a team does throw big bodies out there, they have no issue throwing. Um, Anthony Walker's the Mike traditionally here. JOK, Jeremiah Wusu, Koromoa is the will. And then they love Sione Takitaki. So last year they dealt with a lot of injuries, Ken, at linebacker, and it forced them to play Sione um, early and often and play him at not just – he'd been a Sam for them, a walk-up Sam – who was really good at that role, about 10, 15 snaps a game. And um, they liked it, but then they were forced to play him at will because JOK was hurt. Then he got some time at Mike because Walker went out with it for the year with a quad. And he's been good. He's been really good. Like they like him. He The thing that's crazy, Ken, is they lost early in the year, week three, Walker tore the quad, and then Taki Taki tore the ACL week 12. And both of them are back playing this year at a high level to start the year. So amazing injury recovery from both of those guys. Um, JOK is a little bigger, put on some weight. He looks really good. He's fast right now. It's hard. Listen, through three weeks, the Browns have allowed like nine third down conversions. They're averaging like 68 yards, um, uh, like 146 total. So it's hard for me to sit here and say they're anything other than good defensively right now. Cause they, I don't have any, there's not much evidence to the contrary. The linebacker group, I would just say is playing really well and they're comfortable um, playing base with those guys, but they'll also play a ton of nickel. They like Greg Newsom in that that position as well. So traditionally, they like to match beef with beef, and they'll bring three backers on the field. But they're not afraid to play two backers and let Newsom play the slot and use this this front that is playing really good football to 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 pin and trap a lot of run game stuff. Okay, outstanding stuff. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the defensive line uh, first. Yeah, so. I mean, Miles is Miles. He's better than ever. He's 27 going on 28. He's in the peak of his athletic career, and he's the wisdom to match all of it, right? So he's playing really well. And you go down the line, and you, you, you're you talking about Dalvin Tomlinson, who they brought in, who's playing exceptional run defense, defensive tackle play, eating double teams, keeping linebackers free, but then a good enough shock and shed player to make plays on the football himself. 
the grades have been laughable to me. Uh, I think he's playing as good a football as I've seen from him. Um, they, they pair him in the first rotation with Jordan Elliott, who was a drafted player by the Browns, a third round pick. Um, I think in 2020, who has not been very good, but has found, I don't know if it's improving the, the teammates around him can or something here, but he's playing really well. The fastest I've seen him play, he's applying some actual consistent moves and um, finding some leverage that he has not been consistently showing. He's had a nice start to the year. So they pair Dalvin. They'll play the three or the, they're, they're actually kind of fluid. They'll play either guy at the three or one and feel comfortable doing it. So mm-hmm. Elliot consistently paired with Tomlinson. When they take those guys off the field, the next two are Shelby Harris, who they signed in free agency, who has been a really, really good player for them so far and was good last year with Seattle. And I could not understand why the NFL would not scooped him up yet. He's been great for them. They pair him with Maurice Hurst, who is probably a name you remember from drafts, uh, draft past, a Michigan kid who has uh, had great years in Oakland before he could not stay healthy, went to San Francisco, got hurt there, but he has come in here, earned a, earned a job, and has been a revelation through three weeks. He's played extremely well, disruptive in both phases, getting after the quarterback in about 20 snaps a game, 2025. 20, so that four core four has been their only defensive tackle group. And Let me then, just ask you right now. Yeah. Did, does ahead. it make you feel old that Maurice Hurst is in his sixth NFL season? It does. It does. Because <laughs> I, I remember the, the, well, there was the whole circle about his heart issue. Mm-hmm. And like, so he was a guy we talked about a lot back in that, that 18 class, which was so, you know, Lamar's an 18 guy and Baker was an 18 guy and Nick. So, you know, we all, we all remember that. It feels like yesterday, that draft class because of so many of these guys. So, yeah, Maurice Hurst has been good though, and it's been great for them and, and him, you know, to earn a job again and feel feel uh, good about himself. And he's he's had some cool interviews about that because you know you get hurt so many years in a row, and it just you it wears on your psyche, you know, as who you are, as your identity. These guys identify as football players, you know, it's hard to hard to deal with that. So it's been really cool to see him be happy and healthy and playing well. And then Zadarius Smith, the Browns traded for um gave up a a late round pick to minnesota to get him in i mean kenny's been great he's been really good he's nasty in the edge setting business of run game stuff the way they like to do it and he can get after the quarterback with a power um element that they love they'll move him inside on pass downs so they'll play him next to miles and bring in obanio Okoronkwo, who they signed from houston who is a speed edge player who is really fun and has been a a nice addition they brought him on a three-year deal they like him a lot and pretty much locked him into guaranteed three years. That's how much they like him, which is not a common thing for the Browns to do. So he's been really fun rotating in. So that's your core three edge guys. They will bring Alex Wright into the fold, who they drafted in the third round last year is a really nice move player for them. Can go inside, play the B gap, do some different things. He had a nice sack last week. So he's been stellar for them. Um, But the front, I mean, those eight players can have been, really good to start the year and i'm not saying that they they could have a bad week this week um you never know but they're they've been really good some most talent they've had up front and forever and it's it's really reaping uh benefits uh for them up front and it's like i said they'll bring in speed groups they'll bring three edge guys they'll get they'll put miles over the a gap and let him wreck havoc against a center who is just overwhelmed and they'll mug they'll mug the backers and drop out their their um the surprising thing, I was looking this up today, and then I'll, uh, I'll move on from them. They're an early down man coverage team. So first down, they're playing more man coverage than anyone in the NFL. 
And then in the late downs, they're they're a heavier zone team because they're putting people in a lot of they're winning first down, which is, you know, that's so important in modern football winning first down. So, uh, you know, people always talk about keys to the game. Well, third down, third down. I think first down, whoever wins first down is going to be the team that handles this game really well. So that that's I know where the Browns are putting a lot of focus right now. All right. Uh, off ball, I think you mentioned the, the the three already. So let's just jump right to the secondary. Talk a little bit about that. And I, a couple of scheme questions and we'll we'll close this out. Yeah, so secondary is Denzel playing outside um, is traditionally a, a guy who will stay on one side. He's He's been, if you're looking from the defense's perspective, looking at the offense, he's a left side corner. They put Martin Emerson on the right side. They don't do field boundary stuff that often from what I've seen, Ken. So that's where those guys are at. They don't travel. They don't chase. So mm-hmm. I haven't seen much of that. Now, if they're in man, they will because you know, you're going to chase a little bit on that stuff. But um, for the most part, those guys are anchored there. Martin Emerson is a third round pick uh, last year who played exceptional rookie football and is on the same path this year. They really love what he's given them. He's their guy that they like to match up against the bigger bodies. Last week, Traylon Burks the week before trying to get him on Pickens as often as possible. Uh, they like that Denzel's Denzel. Traditionally, they like to, if they can find him against the smaller bodies because he's, He's so shifty and he can cover those guys. So, um, you know, Denzel's had a great start to this season. Last year, he came into the year unhealthy and it, it sort of trickled into his play. So uh, his early portion of the year wasn't very good, but he came on strong late in this year. He started out the year pretty dang strong. And then in the slot is Greg Newsom, another first round pick that they've had. Now, last week, Greg missed because of an elbow. They played a rookie, another Northwestern guy, ironically, Cam Mitchell, who I thought played pretty admirably for being thrown into that scenario for his first NFL start he was he was fine but Newsom's the guy they like to play there they're asking him to defend the run a little bit less from that alignment than than Joe Woods did and he prefers it that way because of how they're sort of playing their linebackers and 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 how they're playing their edge guys so um they're asking him to be less of a run fit guy and he's he's really uh, had a nice start to the year uh, because of that and they'll if they if they do go base I have seen them at times keep Greg out there as the second corner, the other wide corner, and they'll take Martin off the field given uh, some of those scenarios. So that's a little bit of a scheme wrinkle that they'll do if they go base. Um, they'll play. They have two safeties that are playing predominant amount of snaps. Grant Delpit has finally come into his own. He's had a stellar first three games. I mean, he's been really good. Um, and, and, and a guy who came into the league tore his Achilles in his rookie training camp, didn't play that year and has had two years of kind of finding his footing. And you could see it click for him halfway through last year and has come into this year and is they're playing him everywhere. They played him at slot corner. They've played him in the box. They've put him as a, um, they'll take they'll, in their dime sets. They'll take a backer off the field and put him in the box as a backer. He has been everywhere. I think I broke it down the other day. He's got like 70 snaps, um, you know, up in the, up in the linebacker role, 38 at slot and 38 at, 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 at split safety. So, He's only played like 17 true free safety snaps. So when they go free, they sign Juan Thornhill from Kansas City, very athletic football player, and uh, best in coverage as a safety. But they'll roll both of them down in certain situations. They have no issue rolling and moving both of them uh, to, to to cover things. They're they're really a close coverage team, Ken. They prefer cover one. They prefer cover three. They'll do some invert cover two stuff with these guys, and they'll play some cover two, cover six. But the, the one and three are to predominantly who they are. You know, Joe Woods the year before 
in the years Joe was there, he was a cover four guy, a lot of early down quarters. They're not doing any quarter stuff right now. So mm-hmm. that's the scheme stuff they're using. They also have a third safety that they will at times play three safeties, Rodney McLeod, who they, they really like. Rodney was uh, had a stellar year in Indy last year and, and is a, a close Jim Schwartz connection from the Philly years. And they'll bring him into the fold and let him get some snaps too. So that it's third a safety there. comes in not to replace the slot corner, but to replace one of the linebackers? occasionally it just depends on their flavor what they want to do to match personnel as the game goes on so yeah they'll they'll do that they'll take um they'll play some six db dime stuff right and the, but it'll be three safeties and three corners right so that's normal. um yeah. yeah so they'll do that instead of a instead of a fourth corner that some teams will trot on so yeah they like him to come in like i said grant will we'll roll down and play the box they like to play um you know mcleod they like to play in split safety deep third down looks because they trust him and they'll play and let Grant Delpit kind of wreak havoc and blitz him and move him around and do some fun. So he's more of a Swiss Army knife, Grant is. But um, if they're playing two safeties, it's Grant and it's Juan. Juan missed the first game with a calf issue, uh, but came back last week, the last two weeks, and has looked pretty comfortable again and is moving pretty well. So uh, the Browns are pretty healthy. I know you talked about, and it's been a big thing here with Baltimore, and I feel like it's yeah. been Ken, years of like they just have gotten hit so hard with injuries. Misery. But it is bad, man. Um but the Browns yeah. are pretty healthy, man. So other than other than thing. Nick, of course, and and yeah. you know you lose a big player, it's it's huge. But it's it's not just the the number of injuries; it's the it's the quality of the players. It's all starters. It's all yeah. you know some of their yeah. star players that they've lost. So it's it's been very difficult. Uh, and and you know they, they people continue to ask the question of what do the Ravens need to do differently about how they're doing? And maybe we get onto this a little bit when when we do this re- reciprocal episode in just a moment here, but. Uh, boy, that has been very frustrating to, 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 to figure out, you know, is, is there anything they could do differently to avoid this? Is, uh, yep. is, okay. Well, pick one player. Maybe. A, yeah. It's an unanswerable question. Like mm-hmm. these things are just, they're capricious, man. Like it's, it's unfortunate that, that, that things go that way sometimes, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't follow you know, Baltimore because we're all tied to our own area of the Browns do some rest stuff, you know, veteran rest days and tons of those. It's not, it's like, yeah. it's, I, but I think it's just luck driven sometimes, man. It really is just luck driven. And, and, uh, you know, Browns were hit hard last year. So at any moment, these things can just let, let land on you. But Baltimore's due for a, you know, Pittsburghian stretch the way Pittsburgh had a great stretch last year of just nobody was hurt, right? They, they could use some of that. I, I certainly empathize. Yeah. All right. Well, how about you play, pick one player on offense, one player on defense you think matches up particularly well against the Ravens? Well, it's hard to say Amari doesn't, Ken. I mean, I, I really think he's playing some of his best football right now, um, and, and he's a really hard cover, and he's going to get the football thrown. Even when you think he's covered, he's going to get the football thrown to him. So I, I think that there's – it's hard to go against – if you're saying who's going to impact the game in, in matchup stuff, you could always look at David and say they might uptick, try to get the tight end more involved. But, like, I just think Amari's a tough cover right now. And, you know, I know you said the corners are playing well, and I totally respect that, but you, you would agree with me. Marlon is hard to replace. And Oh, no, um, the, the I, corners you know. are, are are playing well because they, they play cover two all the time, and they've, they've forced <laughs> other teams into small ball. Yeah. We'll get into yeah. that on your show. <laughs> sure, for sure. It, it, I, I think that they will try to get some different re- like alignments for Amari to get him the football in a bunch of different ways. So that'll be a guy that you'll see a lot. So defensively, uh, it's tough. Can I, I'm very fascinated with what the Browns are going to do because playing man coverage against Lamar is, 
at times a death sentence because you, you're turning your back to him and you don't like to do that. Now you can say, well, send a spy. Well, you can say that all you want, but that's not, you know, Lamar's too gifted and he can sneak out of the pocket in a way. So I don't, um, I don't envision it being um, a traditional Browns tendency game. Let me put it that way. I think they're going to be doing some different things to try to put themselves in a place to defend Lamar with eyes on him uh, is what I'm kind of getting at here. Cause that's what Joe Woods tried to do. And, and um, you know, Lamar will beat you even if you, if you do everything perfect at times. So I will say though, you know, I know Ronnie Stanley's back practicing and that obviously helps, helps defending miles. Uh, I, I think Zadarius is a guy that is, is uh, has a chance to, to really wreck some havoc. If you don't, you know, if you're going to, Teams are giving all this attention to Miles because he's really good, and if you if you don't put two on him right now and predictable those true pass sets, those third and pass or or scoreboard dictated pass situations, he's going to be a problem if the ball's not out by three. He's mm-hmm. just playing too well. But if you do commit the bodies there, ninety nine from either insider linemen and Zadarius Smith is from inside or outs, and you know him, right? <laughs> sure, of you guys, you guys know him well. He's he's somehow getting better with age. And, and has he been a kick inside guy for the Browns? He has, yeah. He's yeah. played. He'll they'll put him inside, stand him up, and let him rush a B, a wide B, and and uh, create that extra space for him to either jab and get back inside. And yeah, I think I think in this one, um, he's 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 bound to continue to have a lot of one on one opportunities and. And um, he's taken advantage of them so far, and I, I think that he's a, he's going to be a bit of a matchup problem in this one. Jake, fantastic detail on the on the Browns and their current state. Uh, this is a game I know the Ravens do not take lightly in any way. I think it's to be an uphill struggle for for them certainly uh, going to Cleveland this week. But really appreciate you coming on. Tell folks where they can find your work online and maybe talk to you if they want to. Oh, of course. Uh, so at Jake underscore Burns 18. And I've had some some great Ravens follows who have some good chats and stuff like that. I always love that banter. Listen, like you said, I I've, I got into this and I do it because I, I was a Browns fan forever. But I try to pride myself on not wearing anything orange and brown to to shade, you know, fair analysis. So mm-hmm. I always love the conversation. And, you know, I, I have a lot of people on my and, and, and on my end and you know, it's everyone loves their team and believes that the Browns are playing pretty well. I think I've come on your pod and told you many times, like they're not very good. You know, we've had some discussions over the years, but they're playing, they're playing good football. And, and, and I, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, I'm, I'm pumping them up, but they, they really are playing well. And I hope uh, that they can give Baltimore a really good game here. And, and, and what's interesting is in the AFC North, it seems like the home teams are really, really playing well in these battles. You know, I think Kevin's fared pretty well at home against most of the division. So, um, I think the last time uh, the Browns lost a home division game was the Lamar restroom visit game. If you recall that one, it really? was a shootout. Yes. It was the 21, uh, 21 season shootout. Sure. You know, I know last year the Browns and Ravens got together. It was, it was, you wouldn't know this because it was on the Brown side, but it was pinched in between a buy. So like they, they played, the Browns got a buy and then played again. And I, I know Baltimore got that tight one with Jacoby Brissett started. Uh, I think Jacoby started that one. And then Deshaun started, the second one, I think, right? Or uh, I could be losing my mind. I, I'm trying to remember, but I remember Cleveland playing two games against Baltimore with a buy in between, yeah. and that was one of the big scheduling sticks up Maybe the that... rear end they've had to take. <laughs> I, <laughs> that could have been last year, or the year before. These all get muddled yeah. together because you and I have been doing these for years now. So, yes. anyway, long story short, I know Deshaun played Baltimore last year, so there is a little bit of familiarity there, which who knows if that'll help or not, but, but it's going to be dictated Ken, by how he plays. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll certainly see how Baltimore challenges him to think and 
make plays and I'm excited to watch it from both sides. And you know, I'm a big fan of yours and always love coming on your, your podcast whenever I can to talk ball, because I, I, again, I think we see a lot of things pretty similarly when we study this stuff. So um, the pleasure's all mine, man. I, I well appreciate it, Jake. You're definitely one of the very good guys in the entire sport. And, and one of the, one of the people I always want to have on for one of the two Brown shows every single year. And, and you, you always give us some great new insights into this at Jake, underscore burns 18 he's a great follow and a and a really level-headed guy uh other folks out there if you'd like to be on a film study short hit me up you know the rules by now dms are always open on twitter i want to hear from you i do you know over 300 guest driven shows per year and i need you guys to to uh to make that successful jake thanks again for coming on always a pleasure my friend oh my pleasure and we'll talk to you next time on film study okay <laughs>